0: And innovation here Let's go to our ring announcers Welcome to the show That brings you all things nostalgia In the world of
1: professional wrestling It is now time To go Beyond the bell.
2: Beyond the Bell! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of the old-school nostalgic podcast known as Beyond the Bell via the powerful SNS Radio Network. I'm your host, ring announcer, broadcaster, podcaster, fan, lover of professional wrestling, Sean Beckerman. I thought it would be a great way to introduce this show with with the Vince McMahon style Welcome everyone to Monday Night Raw! Reason being is that tonight this edition of Beyond the Bell looks back at Monday Night Raw as we have the 1000th edition awaiting the monumental 1000th episode of Monday Night Raw of course it would be fitting to look back at the greatest moments in Monday Night Raw history. Earlier we discuss the 10-year anniversary of total Nonstop action. We look back at the greatest moments, matches, and feuds of TNA Impact Wrestling. And now, we look back at the number one promotion in sports entertainment. Quite possibly the greatest promotion. Arguably, you can question many things about the promotion, but you cannot deny its success. Over the past 60 to 70 years... The World Wrestling Federation, predating to the WWWF, has provided fans with top-notch entertainment. They revolutionized broadcast television, even to this very day. You see it on NFL broadcast, NBA, baseball, the production values that were taken, it's, it cannot argue, it quite possibly could have been taken from the WWF slash WWE. So tonight, it's so fitting to look back in chronological order at the greatest moments, the monumental moments in Monday Night Raw history that made us love this show and what made Raw so special and innovative for its time. Monday Night Raw was innovative for the fact that we're used to can television besides pay-per-views. Occasionally, you would get your special Saturday Night's Main Event But Monday Night Raw was the first ever weekly live, live television extravaganza. Started out as a one-hour program, and it was a transition from primetime wrestling on the USA Network. And through 1,000 editions and episodes on Monday Night Raw, we've seen so many moments, some great... And some not so great, some forgettable. Of course, we cannot hit every single point that made Raw so special, but we're going to talk tonight about some of the moments that triggered, in my mind, as the greatest of all time. Some of the moments that impacted me as a fan, and lover of professional wrestling, gravitated myself towards Raw, towards the WWF, and what made me such a fan of the World Wrestling Federation slash Entertainment. So, fans, buckle up. This will be a long, interesting, and fun episode as we'll listen back to the clips of Monday Night Raw, special clips, comments from superstars looking back at these special moments, but just reliving 1,000 editions of Monday Night Raw, fans. Buckle up! It's go time!
3: from the streets of a chilly New York City, but it is about to get very hot here in Manhattan. Hello, everyone. I'm Sean Mooney. A few minutes ago, it was a mob scene out here. Everyone braving the elements to be a
0: part of Monday Night Raw, but now they're inside set for the action. Hey, hey, wait a minute. What? Bobby Heenan. I'm what going are you doing? in there. No, 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 no. You, oh, you yes, hear, I am. You were replaced. I went replaced? Yes. Uh, by who? would replaced well, me. Rob Bartlett, you're not uh, Okay, by Rob to be This is Monday Night Raw, live from New York City, That's and right. I've got to be in there to host no, it. No, no, you're not. No, so you you no, can't no. get
3: in. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, you, you, I can't you, get in. I can
0: get in. I can buy a ticket. No, they no, don't there, want there me. are no tickets left. It's sold out in there. They're jammed to the rafters. Show me the press gate so I can get through here. I didn't make up the rules here. I didn't make up the rules.
2: January 11, 1993, the beginning of a legacy, the debut episode of Monday Night Raw. Make no mistake, fans, on this night at New York City's Manhattan Center, sports entertainment as it exists today was born. Unlike anything that had ever preceded it in the world of professional wrestling, Raw combined a large rowdy crowd with worldwide television exposure and WWE fans were treated to an experience that was uncut uncooked and uncensored the kickoff episode featured appearances from future WWE legends like the Undertaker and Shawn Michaels Along with hosts Vince McMahon, Randy, Macho Man Savage, and uh-oh, Rob Bartlett. You can say nobody's perfect. From the I Miss in the Morning show fame from WFAN, I was a fan of Rob Bartlett. From I Miss in the Morning, because I was a fan of I Miss. Thought it was very funny to listen to it in the morning every day when I was getting up for school. Sure, maybe a little bit older program for my age group, but I enjoyed it. My dad listened to it. I liked it. Bartlett was hilarious on... I miss, but terrible behind the microphone on Monday Night Raw. But I was there for the first ever episode, first ever edition, January 11th of '93. I remember sitting there, first row, first row. I suggest fans looking back would be quite possible to see a pudgy, short, white kid in the front row uh, enjoying Monday Night Raw, wearing his Raw uncooked, uncensored, <laughs> and uncut shirt. I love that shirt. And the big red raw hat. Who could forget that? That was a great hat to wear. What a night. You could you could feel the electricity in the air. A small arena. An ECW type of feel before ECW was mainstream. It was a smaller arena. It was so loud because it was so small. The acoustics in there from body slams to punches to any move that was made that hit the canvas. It was so dramatic and so loud. And it was electric, and it was exciting. I'll never forget it. You could sense history was being made that night.
0: a great match, I can't wait to see this, Coco Beware versus Yokozuna, you know the guy's got that diaper thing going right up there in the middle between the Dead Man's Land and No Man's Land, watch out, and And for Bartlett Sagata by Yokozuna, that's all I can think about right now, but also, it's Damien Demento. who's my favorite, The Undertaker, who's May 17th, 1993,
2: The Kid upsets Razor Ramon. This is perhaps the greatest upset of all time, and it happened on Monday Night Raw. When The Kid arrived on the WWE scene in 1993, he was a jobber. A jobber extraordinaire, you can say and would frequently be seen on the losing end of things. So when he faced off against rising star Razor Ramon on this episode of Raw, it seemed like a foregone conclusion that Razor was going to be the winner. But then a funny thing happened. This match wasn't the squash that everybody expected it to be, as the Kid hung in there, despite getting pounded by Razor. This match ended when the Kid was able to surprise Razor with a moonsault off the top rope out of nowhere and get the three count. Razor got up instantly and looked shocked and bewildered. He just lost to this jobber. The kid went on to become the 123 Kid, and it was great to see a jobber become a popular superstar in the matter of just 3 seconds. That's what makes wrestling so special. I remember sitting, I was towards the middle section of this episode of Raw on I believe it was the the hard the hard camera shot Right where the stands shot up at an angle um the the middle section uh, for lack of a better term, I remember eating, of course, budgie kid myself, but I was eating my chicken fingers or whatever it was, and I remember just going to sit back because I didn't think much of the match. I thought it was a typical squash match, and I'm getting ready to sit down, and all of a sudden, I hear one, two, three, and I'm like, what happened did, was this a fluke or did, oh razor must have won easily, and I look the kid won it was shocking. It caught me by surprise. It actually caused me to spill my soda, which got me so mad. A shocking, surprising end, but it made a career for Sean Waltman.
4: Let's just call him the kid.
0: Toothpick. Yeah, toothpick in the old eye routine by Razor Ramon. He's already doing better
4: than he ever has. Look at the disparity in the size here, this youngster.
1: Oh, my. Razor Ramon is very, very, very strong. Yeah,
4: and he's very, very, very confident. Yes, he is, and very, very capable as well. He's the bad guy. Oh. And Ray's Ramon pretty much at the moment. Ooh. Oh, ah.
0: manhandling oh. the Giants. Oh. Raw, raw, raw. raw. the Stalking gun's back, I hear something go off. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, and I can't. He will cut you to ribbons. Else the kid just broke broke the pole ball
4: record on that Yeah, you may have, huh?
0: do You think that was the surprise Alfred was talking about Scotty? Well, it certainly uh, wasn't his fourth wife, as you made reference to earlier.
5: No, certainly certainly she went up the stairs.
0: Eaton, the <laughs> <stairs. He laughs> you're uh you're coming a little fraser. He's right on cot. That's what he is. Well, I'm
4: and raise Ramon wrestling <laughs> in the roundhouse and oh, oh. catches the this youngster, and he's really punching. this, watch this, young watch young watch this move tell you what, the
5: kid made a great move right there. Unfortunately, the other half didn't go his way.
4: I guess not, Razor's just about ready to tear him in half.
0: Razor Ramon playing around and having fun. You ever see the way a cat will get a bird caught and knock the feathers off it yes. before it devours it? Yeah. Same thing. Oh My goodness, and, whoa, Razor, right. Razor missing. Boy, he really came in with that elbow. And yeah. I think
4: Razor stays.
0: It's, it's not, not over right. until it's over. Razor Ramon can't believe what happened to him. Razor Ramon is angry. What Razor. A... Razor Ramon. Razor Ramon
1: What is... happened,
2: brother? Two months later, July 19, 1993. Marty Jannetty versus Shawn Michaels. A lot of people say this, and I, for one, this was one of my favorite matches in Raw history, by far. Especially being there, of course, live in person. I may note that being that I attended every Raw that first year in 1993, I saw many great moments, but this was one of my favorite matches ever in Raw history. You could say it may be biased because I was there live in person, but it's one of my early memories of Monday Night Raw, hence, since it was the first year of Raw, but... My, one of my first memories of really enjoying the match itself, outside of the performers, but enjoying the, the technical wrestling side of sports entertainment. Shawn Michaels had ditched Genetti and slammed his head through the barbershop window, as we all know. So the rivalry was born between the two. Michaels was in the ring, cutting a promo about he would defend his Intercontinental Championship against anybody, anytime, anywhere. And Jannetty came out of the crowd to challenge HBK to put his money where his mouth is. It was a fast-paced match, which ended in a delirium when Mr. Perfect came out and distracted Michaels, who was then rolled up by his former tag team partner, Jannetty, for the victory. It was Marty Jannetty's finest moment. He ran around the ring with his newly won championship held high. The crowd went nuts, I tell you. Raw was in its infancy at that stage of the game, and it was great moments like this that would help propel the show to um, the major success that it is to this very day. The shocking, unpredictable, uncut, uncensored, uncooked moments of the inaugural year of Monday Night Raw. October 31st, 1994, the second year of Monday Night Raw, it started to expand. Go outside the Manhattan Center, which I was a little bit upset with because I was so excited to have Raw in my hometown, New York City, every single week, but it made sense to expand this franchise outside of New York City to garner more attention worldwide. So it made sense for them to expand outside the Manhattan Center on a weekly basis. So, that leads us to 1994. There were some monumental moments, but one of the moments that triggered in my mind was, like we said, October 31st. The final appearance on Now We Know For Sure, of course, unfortunately, of the macho man Randy Savage, the final appearance on WWF slash WB television, took place that night. As the Macho Man still behind the broadcast booth in 1984, had the occasional match here and there, WrestleMania 10. He took on Crush, of course, as we remember. The occasional feud he was put into, but for the majority of the the time, Savage was behind, behind the microphone from the booth, dare I say. So this was a rarity to see Macho Man get involved in the action. I didn't know this was going to be his last appearance. No one really did, unless you were dirt sheet writers or uh, had backstage connections. Everyone thought Savage would continue on. But Savage made the save. Saving Lex Luger from the cross-faced chicken wing from Bob Backlund. The crowd went crazy. They still love Savage. This is one of the reasons why he left. He still wanted to wrestle. Even though he liked commentating, he loved wrestling even more. He still felt he had some years left in him. And like an episode, I believe he was on... Uh, a talk show, I think the Late Late Show, where they asked him why did you go to WCW, and he said I'd rather be a big fish in a small pond than a small fish in a big pond. So it made sense to him want to to leave. Granted, there may have been other issues with Vince McMahon, we won't get into right now, but made him leave to go to WCW. He wanted to wrestle, continue on, but this was his final appearance on Monday Night Raw. I'll never forget the Macho Man, one of the greatest of all time, making his final appearance on WWF television on Monday Night Raw.
0: This is ridiculous! Finally, back releases the hole. Tatanka backs off. Wait a minute, he's right back on top of Luger! Officials can't even maintain control. We you have a lunatic like Tottenham. Get in between.
2: To November 4th, 1996, Pillman is packing heat as the Hollywood Blondes in WCW. Brian Pillman and Steve Austin were the best of buds, but after a broken ankle, courtesy of the Rattlesnake, sidelined Flying Brian. The friendship was over, and thus began a feud that culminated when Austin paid a visit to Pillman's home. Luckily, a camera crew was there to win his Pillman pull a piece out. An actual gun. The screen faded to black. Explosive noises were reported, and Austin was dragged away, while Pillman waved the gun at him, threatening to do him for good. Going into its fourth year, I mean, Raw was known for pushing the envelope, but this unsettling mo- moment, you could say, was one of the few times any fan could even admit that things may have gone too far. This was definitely shocking television. What we, his around, again. All the,
0: way to the back of the house, screaming and yelling, has got this pistol See, this out, is and stupid. I don't know what the hell is going on here. What do you mean? Well, the man stinking. with a gun, that's stupid. This, um, what the, what the hell is that? This is stupid. That's wrong. Wait, <laughs> wait a minute, we do have, we have reestablished, I think we reestablished our feed. Stay with us. This, this happened earlier tonight. We're going to take Let's you back this. live. We're going to take... That's what happened. We lost... We are live. This is live. Power's been restored, man. This is... I do not know where Steve Austin is. He saw the gun. He saw the gun and he left. Oh my God, he's back! Shoot me! Shoot me! Shoot me! Shoot Let's go! Let's go! Let's Let's go! Let him go! I'm gonna kill that son of a bitch! No. Let, him go. Him of go on. Let him go! Call the police! Call the police! Get him out of the way! Call the police! Get out of the way! Get him out of the way! Get him out of here! Get him! Come on! Let him go! Oh my god! Somebody, Let him go! Get him! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up. Come on, Austin! Let's party! him! Come on, Austin! Come on, Austin. Come on, Austin. Let go.
2: Now, as you can see, things were going a little bit more on the edgy side for Monday Night Raw. We had the lean years, quote unquote, for WWE from you say '94 to '96, but 1997 rolled around, and that's when you could say that's when some attitude was being brought into Monday Night Raw. And on September 22nd, 1997, we saw for the very first time. Stone Cold Steve Austin stun Vince McMahon. Owen Hart had just earned a count-out victory over Brian, Pil- over Brian Pillman when Stone Cold came out and proceeded to beat the piss out of him seeing how he was still feuding with the Hart Foundation. Vince McMahon then came in the ring, came to the ring, to stop security from tossing Austin and tried to reason with him. Tried to settle the rattlesnake. Vince explained that Austin could not continue to do that because he wasn't medically cleared by the doctors to compete and he was trying to look out for the welfare of Austin because of what happened at SummerSlam with Owen Hart pile-driving Austin with his broken neck. Austin acted as though you know he understood Vince's point only to turn around and hit him with the Stone Cold Stunner. This was momentous because this kick-started the Austin McMahon feud as it slowly started to turn Vince from horrible announcer... Well, you can say horrible announcer. I'm... I will will always follow the commentating style of Vince McMahon. We discussed it from the booth because he made an impact on me. Was the most technical announcer? Turned him from an announcer into a deranged owner of the WWE. Within a few months, Austin McMahon would be engaged in a full-out war... And this is where it all started. And I'll admit too, I was there. New York City, Madison Square Garden, how special this was. You could feel again, history being made, electricity in the air. Raw was at its turning point. During this time, there was a major transition in the world of professional wrestling, especially on Monday nights. As WCW debuted Monday Nitro. So 1996 was a dramatic year for professional wrestling. It was a year that marked a lot of historic change. Therefore, WWE was changing things, going more on the edgier side. 1997, like we said, Stone Cold Stunning Vince, the Attitude Era started to kick in for the World Wrestling Federation to compete with the competition of WCW Monday Nitro, the competition of Nitro, where Raw was the sole, the sole show, the sole event on Monday nights, the primetime spot, primetime wrestling turned to Raw, the spot for Monday night viewing was reserved only for Raw, until Eric Bischoff and Monday Nitro came about, for the first time ever, Raw had competition. They had to adjust, change things, and therefore you saw a different Monday Night Raw come about. And the transition from Monday Night Raw to Raw is War came as we saw the Monday Night War take place, the war between WCW and the WWF. Hence, Monday Night Raw changing to Raw is War. First stunner on Mr. McMahon was big. It was
6: Madison Square Garden and I think that's the best way to not just see a moment but to live it.
5: Steve had uh, been uh, stone-cold stunning everybody and everybody knew eventually he's gonna get the boss.
4: You got to work within the system. That's all you got to do.
6: I knew that was a pivotal moment because all of the wrestlers
3: were watching it. Here you have uh, a wrestler getting physical with his boss, the owner of the company.
5: You can kiss my ass! Oh
6: God. Mr. McMahon acting like a fish out of water afterwards Not so great,
2: but a great
6: moment all in all Austin is directly to jail.
2: 1987, a big year Like we mentioned, Stone Cold stunning Vince for the very first time We also saw Brett screw Brett November 17th 1997, it was just a week after the most controversial night in sports entertainment history. We all know it, the 1997 Survivor Series. The wrestling world was abuzz with debate. They were going crazy debating over the main event, which brought the hitman Hart was unceremoniously, you can say, screwed out of his WWF Championship. Based on the knowledge of Hart's imminent departure to WCW and rumors regarding his refusal to give up his much-deserved championship, fans took sides. Some stood by the hitman, claiming he was disrespected and deceived. Mr. McMahon, however, did not. He stood by his actions, denouncing all critics, stating that Brett screwed Brett in one of the most controversial and historic segments in Raw history. JR sat down with the owner of the WWF, Vince McMahon, and you could say Mr. McMahon was born when Austin stunned him or when Bret shoved him down after that steel cage match, when Bret cursed, or when they had the hockey-type fight where where, when Bret pulled, or should I say, when Vince pulled the shirt over Bret's head, they were fighting, punching each other. Some people say that was the beginning of the Mr. McMahon character, but you could say one segment... Could have defined Mr. McMahon. And it was this segment where he stated, Brett, screw Brett. As you can see the black eye on Vince's face for when Brett punched him backstage after the Montreal Screwjob. By the time Brett Hart stepped center stage for
3: his matchup with Shawn Michaels at Survivor Series, he had apparently already closed the door on his WWF career.
1: I uh, was um, given my 30-day notice to WWF. And right now, I'm under contractual review with both the WCW and the WWF. I'm leaning strongly towards going
3: one way. In the end, his actions spoke volumes. Let's cut right to the chase. Seven days ago at the Survivor Series, did you or did you not screw Bret Hart?
4: Some would say, I screwed Bret Hart. Bret Hart would definitely tell you I screwed him. I look at it from a different standpoint. I look at it from the standpoint of the referee did not screw Bret Hart. Shawn Michaels certainly did not screw Bret Hart. Nor did Vince McMahon screw Bret Hart. I truly believe that Bret Hart screwed Bret Hart. And he can look in the mirror and know that.
3: I'm sure in some parts of the country right now there's a collective groan that you're not accepting responsibility. That you orchestrated the situation and the fact that uh, there, people are not going to understand what you mean by Bret Hart screwed Bret Hart. So, what do you mean by that?
4: Well, I will certainly take responsibility for any decision I've ever made. I've never had a problem doing that. Not that all of my decisions are accurate, they're not. But when I make a bad decision, I'm not above saying I'm sorry and trying to do the best uh, about it that I can. Hopefully, the batting average is, is pretty good. I make more good decisions than I do bad decisions. And as far as screwing Bret Hart is concerned, there's a time-honored tradition in the wrestling business that when someone is leaving, that they show the right amount of respect to the WWF superstars in this case, who helped make you that superstar, you show the proper respect to the organization that helped you become who you are today it's a time honored tradition and Bret Hart didn't want to honor that tradition and that's something I would have never ever expected from Brett because he is known somewhat as a traditionalist in this business it would have never crossed my mind that Brett would not have wanted to show the right amount of respect to the superstars who make to make him and the organization who helped make him what he is today nonetheless that was Brett's decision Brett screwed
3: Brett some folks along the internet know that in 1996 Brett signed a 20-year contract with the WWF then I'm sure there are some at home now some folks are saying well how could Bret Hart be uh, he's got 18 years left on the contract how can he leave did Bret Hart ask you to leave the WWF or did you ask him to leave the WWF
4: this was a joint decision and it, and it vacillated
3: somewhat as well
4: when we were making the decision. It was a joint decision from both Brett and me. And ultimately what happened was that the two of us got together and orchestrated the opportunity for Ted Turner's wrestling organization to, quote, steal Brett. I felt that from bu- for business reasons, if Brett Hart and the salary we were paying him was not justified, And Brett felt that for for creative reasons, and in fact, that he had become sort of second banana in his own mind to Shawn Michaels, who had, quote, stolen his spot. So for financial reasons on my part and creative reasons on Brett Hart's part, the two of us got together and decided, okay, let's do the very best we can for you, Brett. So the two of us orchestrated Brett Hart receiving a three-year deal In which he is paid $3 million a year, which I believe is the richest deal in all of professional wrestling. And that's working 125 days a year. So I felt from a personal standpoint that if Brett wasn't a great investment any longer for the WWF, although I really didn't want him to go, but nonetheless, the least I could do for Brett is to help him help himself. And I told Brett, Brett, if in fact you do get this deal from Turner, I'm going to be the very first person personally to congratulate you. And I was. From a business standpoint, I didn't really want to lose Brett. He wasn't paying off from a financial standpoint, but nonetheless, I really didn't want to lose Brett.
3: The certainly the uh, bitterness of the loss at the Survivor series could never be more prevalent. Uh, He stands in the ring and he spits in your face. Uh, Shortly thereafter, he is destroying WWF television equipment. Were you prepared for what happened after the match?
4: I was disappointed in Brett when he hit me. Very disappointed. Um, I sustained a concussion as a result of it with vision problems to this day. I'll get over it Um, and I didn't think it was the right thing to do Brett seems to be crowing about that uh, that I've read where you know he feels proud of, of striking me and it wasn't a question of a confrontation because even at 52 years old I dare say that perhaps things would have been a little different if there were a confrontation I allowed Brett to strike me. I had hoped that he wouldn't. I'd hoped that we could sit down and try and work things out as gentlemen. That's what I had really hoped for. But that's not what happened.
3: Have you considered uh, pressing charges or pursuing uh, legal remedies for that situation in his locker room?
4: I have considered it. I think those options are still available. I'm not pursuing it at the moment. I guess maybe it all depends on Brett as to whether or not I do.
3: If you were only a story writer, Mm -hmm. and the Survivor Series was the final chapter in the life story of Bret Hart, the WWF years, how would you have preferred to write the final chapter?
4: As a storyteller, I would have hoped that Brett's story... uh, would be a dramatic one. I would hope that the Brett's story would be one that would give him dignity. That would give him the poise to state that I was maybe the greatest WWF superstar ever in terms of his departure. And one way of being able to give back to the company, being able to give back to those individuals, those superstars who helped you achieve the level of success that you have. When you know that you're leaving in a time honored tradition might have been, for argument's sake, that after the most grueling match that Brett ever had in his life, that Brett was pinned. But in that small moment of defeat, Brett would have stood straight up and shown the whole world what a true champion, both as a human being, and a wrestling persona, he really is. And if I had been Brett, if I were writing the story, I can see Brett after a one, two, three simply saying, okay, to his opponent, you got the best of me. I want to congratulate you. I want to stick my hand out and congratulate you. And furthermore, I want everyone in the whole locker room to watch my match so that I can show. For those who follow in my footsteps, the way in a time-honored tradition, this is to be done. To show every individual, every secretary, everyone in Titan Sports, the World Wrestling Federation, who counts on me to do the right thing, that I was there, that I was a superstar, maybe the greatest of ever, and I went out the way a true champion would go out.
3: Are you able to step back and, and object, objectively look at this thing and, and evaluate your friend, your perhaps former friend, Brett Hart, the human being, and have sympathy for this, this man?
4: Sympathy? Sympathy? I have no sympathy for Brett whatsoever. None. I have no sympathy for someone who was supposed to be a rustling traditionalist, not doing the right thing, for the business that made him, not doing the right thing for the fans and the performers and the organization who helped make him what he is today. Brett made a very, very selfish decision. Brett's gonna have to live with that for the rest of his life. Brett screwed Brett. I have no sympathy whatsoever for Brett.
2: The date was January 19th, 1998, where iron took on stone. Mike Tyson was confronted by Stone Cold Steve Austin. This was the moment that had everybody talking the next day and gave the WWE some of the first mainstream attention it had received in a long time, quite possibly since the Rock and Roll, or should I say the Rock and Wrestling era, Mr. McMahon had invited Mike Tyson to this episode of Raw to make a huge announcement that concerned the baddest man on the planet. Of course, this didn't set well with Stone Cold Steve Austin, who felt he was being overshadowed. And he came down to give Vince, as well as Iron Mike, a piece of his mind. Coming off a win at the Royal Rumble the night before, Stone Cold was ready to raise all sorts of hell. Even though Tyson seemed friendly towards Austin, Stone Cold was having none of that, and soon made it known that he wound, that he would whip Mike Tyson's behind in a second. To cap it off, he flipped Tyson the double bird. That didn't sit well with Iron Mike, who shoved Austin from there. It was on. There was about a dozen officials that had to separate the two, and the moment hit all major outlets. Including Sports Center and various newspapers. That moment helped bring a lot of mainstream attention to the WWE, and it could be argued that this moment helped shift the tide in the Monday Night War. Nitro was handing, was giving it to Raw, and the WWE needed to turn things around to basically save the company. This was the moment that helped the shift. The attitude was now mainstream.
3: Monday Night Raw. Mike Tyson came out with a tremendous introduction from almost a P.T. Barnum-like introduction from Vince McMahon.
0: At this time, I would like to introduce to you a man who is simply the baddest man on the planet. Ladies and gentlemen, Iron Mike Tyson.
3: Yeah, it was an insult to me. Was that just instinctive that... That you got in his face? Have you, had you thought to yourself? Did, did you decide coming out there you are going to do it? Did you decide when you got in the ring you were going to do it? Had you thought about it the day before? How did that come about to where you confronted what many people say, and of course, for the newspapers, the baddest man on the planet? You got right in his face.
0: At WrestleMania, in this very ring, yeah. Iron Mike Tyson. Well-
5: as soon as i got in there i realized everything with me is ad lib it clicked in my head i said yeah i'll flip the son of a bitch off and see what he's got i ain't gonna shake your damn hand because i ain't out here to make friends with you i respect what you've done in the boxing world but jesus christ son when you step in this ring you're messing with stone cold steve austin and that's something you don't do but you're out here calling yourself the baddest man on the planet Right now, you got your little beady eyes locked on the eyes of the world's toughest son of a bitch. Do I think you can beat my ass? Hell no. Do I think I can beat your ass? Why, hell yeah. I don't know how good your hearing is, but if you don't understand what I'm saying, I always got a little bit of sign language. So here's to you. So he pushed me like a little girl, and everybody held me down. Basically, no one even held him. If he wanted me so bad, why didn't he come get me? Everybody was holding me down. Yeah, I flipped him off, you know. That's the way it goes. He's not the toughest son of a bitch in the world or the baddest man on the planet. When he steps foot in the WWF ring, he's stepping foot in my
3: office. Do you uh, have any regrets? Any second thoughts about doing that?
5: No, I thought I made a hell of a picture. April twenty seventh,
2: 1998. D-Generation X invades WCW. One of the most monumental moments in WWE history, Monday Night Raw history, was when D-X invaded WCW. Megaphone in hand, D-Generation X invaded Norfolk, Virginia, to prove they were the future of sports entertainment. In the midst of the ratings battle between WWE and WCW, D-X showed up outside WCW Nitro, donning fatigues and chanting, WCW sucks. It didn't take long for WSW to order security to bar DX from the premises. Weeks later, DX returned, but this time they entered WSW headquarters in Atlanta. A herd of security descended on them in an attempt to stop the break in, but when the guards arrived, instead of halting DX, they were asked for autographs. To signify victory, DX threw crotch chops and told WSW those painfully familiar words those painfully familiar two words I think you know them as we saw Triple H X-Pac Billy Gunn Road Dogg especially X-Pac and Triple H demanding they release Hall and Ash their buddies to leave the N.W.O., leave WCW to come join DX it was so exciting was so thrilling it seemed real
0: John.
1: Today we embark on a mission we had seen the enemy and they are near wcw had raided our talent and they were hurting us in the ratings we had no fear whatsoever of wcw so instead of them trying to take shots on their own tv show
0: and i wonder what vince mcmahon is thinking sending his little wannabes around problem with that is he only sends them where he knows I'm not going to be.
6: We went right to
0: them. This mission
1: will start at the Norfolk Scope with WCW, wrestling. On the wrestling industry, you didn't even acknowledge the other guys. Let alone uh, drive up to their building and shoot a cannon at it. It was great. All DX is on top of it, like kind of an armored car kind of thing, and we got like branches hanging out of our heads and stuff. It's great. Nobody saw that coming. We walked right up to WCW's door, rang their doorbell, and when we answered, we beat the out of them right on their own steps. We didn't really know what we were going to do even. So we just took a megaphone out there and, and just went crazy. generation
0: X proudly
1: starts the war against WCW. Here were
6: fans going to what they expected to see was WCW Nitro. And here's DX out with a tank with a huge cannon on the back. They're firing guns off. And they've got a big old bullhorn talking about how Bischoff sucks, Nitro sucks. And hey, come on
4: out and confront us. I was pissed. I was really pissed.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, do you think Eric
1: Bischoff sucks? My punctual self, I was arriving in the building about 5.30. There was traffic, and it was, you know, and what it was is that when they were there, they had, like, the jeep of the artillery the cannon, and it kind of created a mob scene on the side of the street. And I was driving by, and I just kind of, like, looked out of the corner of my eye, and was thinking, I said, God, that, that was DX. If you're a fan, here you are, you decide you're going to go to the Nitro show. And all of a sudden, here's some real live wrestlers. They're not in the arena standing 30 feet away, you're not watching them wrestle in the ring. They're standing right next to you, and they're in a Jeep with a cannon, and one guy's barking on a megaphone, and they're all right there, live and in person. And we've got cameras, and they just want to be a part of that.
0: What I'd like to know is, not from experience, but do you think WCW sucks?
1: Of course. <laughs> they got swept up in the moment and the next thing you know, they were all chanting WCW Sucks and you know, they were chanting DX. People were telling us they got their tickets for free and
0: Kill me at my own game here. The Generation X will now visit the box office in order to see if there are any more of the free tickets that they give away to try to throw up their TV every week. I say what's up to our boys, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall! P-O-W-C-W, let my people go! Let my people go! Let my people go!
1: I don't think there was any plan for them to retaliate. At that point, they were having a hard enough time making coffee let alone a covert counter-strike. I don't think anybody's better at fighting than we are because I don't think they ever saw that coming and they wouldn't have been smart enough to do anything about it if they, if they had. So, uh, this is not going to be pretty, and I was right. I think that was one of the first big moves that this company made, actually, to, to regain its position because it was a ballsy, arrogant, aggressive, ruthless move. I love that. The people were so ecstatic because, you know, the the event hadn't started. Everybody was outside. We drove down right in front of the building. We are going down. Down what? Down there. What bummed me out is we went to the door, the garage door last. My thoughts on that were we should have went to the garage door first because they wouldn't have had no warning then. Uh, They'd have been smart. They'd have opened their doors up and let us drive that tank right into the arena, right down to the ring. What would you have tuned into? The Nitro show that had DX driving a tank in, something you would never thought you'd see in your wildest dreams? Or the same wrestling matches you saw last week? How to watch that show.
0: Go down. Go. go down. All the way down. We stand now at your door.
6: Four of those guys—they just—they were excellent together. You add China to the mix, and here you had a combustible element that you never knew what they were going to do, and you never knew what they were going to say. So it was
1: always great television. When DX did their stuff, it's like we were doing our television. But if you, we'd try to find a monitor that was on, on, so we would to watch what those guys were doing, and we were watching—we were watching their TV. And you know, if we're watching, I know a lot of other people. And that's what was great about DX, because he never knew what was coming next. I don't know if I'll ever have a period in my career that's going to match that. became this huge
2: movement. It was a really cool experience.
0: We now move on. Back to Hampton. Back to real wrestling. June 29th, 1998.
2: Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Kane for the WWE Championship. After a thrilling King of the Ring pay-per-view the night before, which we saw Kane defeat Stone Cold For the WWE Championship In a first blood match And McFoley Foley get absolutely decimated By The Undertaker in a Hell in the Cell confrontation The Texas Rattlesnake Issued a challenge for a rematch On this electrifying edition of Monday Night Raw The opening segment saw Vince McMahon Celebrate with Kane Vince had been trying to get the championship Away from Austin for months And he tried anybody and everybody To get this done and as a result, Vince was interrupted by Stone Cold, who proclaimed the result of the first blood match was a sham, since it was The Undertaker's errant chair shot that caused Austin to bleed and subsequently lose the title. Then, in the main event of the show, Austin reclaimed the title in an intense brawl. The crowd went nuts. Kane appeared to have the match won, but when he went for the tombstone, Austin slipped away, bounced off the ropes, ducked under Kane's big boot, and shocked the new champion with a stone-cold stunner for the 1-2-3. New champion crowned. The fans in attendance, like I said, were absolutely crazy. They went nuts. It really was something to behold. I remember myself the excited face of one particular person, one lady, I think, in the very front row. She went crazy, went insane. The fans were nuts for Austin at this point. The Undertaker then got into the ring, and Austin stunned him as well. As the new champion left the arena, Kane and the Undertaker sat up simultaneously, and glared at Austin from the ring. This was an intricate storyline that questioned whether Kane and the Undertaker were working together. And that moment added fuel to the fire. There was so much going on, it was so intricate and so intense. A brilliant storyline, a brilliant culmination, you could say only a one day title reign for Kane, but It led to big ratings, the crowd went crazy, and propelled Raw to the next level on Monday nights. July 6th, 1998. DX mocks the nation. The Nation of Domination and DX were in a bitter feud with one another, so DX decided to lighten things up a little bit by making fun of the entire nation. Triple H posed as the Croc and came out with the Rock's signature sideburns. His shiny shirt and sunglasses. X-Pac dressed up as Ms. Ark Henry... Billy Gunn was Kama, The Godfather, Road Dogg was D-Lo, or should I say B-Lo, and comedian Jason Sensation dressed up as Owen Hart, complete with the huge nose and all. This segment had numerous funny moments, highlighted by the Road Dogg repeating everything someone said, and then going into the corner to shake his head like D-Lo. Not to mention Triple H talking about the croc cooked up something in the bathroom. This was one of the funniest and cl- most classic segments that remains one of raw's most memorable moment- memorable moments to this very day this segment was historic because it added the humorous side of raw on top of that raw attitude like edge to it you wanted to watch dx to see what they did next they were shocking hilarious we could say sophomoric at times, but they definitely were entertaining.
0: You know, the croc just came from the bathroom, the croc, and you
1: should have smelled what the rock was cooking. <laughs> when it comes to the croc and the ladies, and
0: the croc hits rock bottom, he has no choice but to lay that smack down on himself. You hear that? The brother smacks himself down. Oh, look at me. Oh, man. Can you imagine the rock? He's broken every piece of furniture in his living room right now. Hey, wait a minute. Look at this guy. Is that is did to park a bus on his face. Supposed to be Owen Hart. Well, enough is enough, and it's time for a change. <laughs> it is Owen Hart. Did you hear that so what? nobody listens to me nobody gives a damn what I think and what the hell am I doing wearing this ridiculous outfit I look like a damn road sign what the hell am I? a school crossing? you know I tried to be a tough guy but I just couldn't grow my damn beard in and you know what? I am not a nugget! I'm a black heart, dammit! A winner! A sole survivor! Woo! Oh, things are not well in Calgary tonight. That is, that is Owen Hart. And if anybody smells what the Rock is cooking, it's me. Look how big my damn nose is! <laughs> what the hell am I? An art bark? <laughs> what does the brother look like? An art bark? look at Bevo.
1: I know you're the world's
0: strongest man, and the Croc's got a hell of a body himself. But there's one thing the people want to know: how do you get your pets to go all the way around your back like that?
1: <laughs> oh man!
0: What he wants to know is how. Shut up! <laughs> Shut your mouth and know your role. Nation, it's real simple. We got
2: two words for you. Suck it! September 28th, 1998. Austin raises hell with a Zamboni. This was the night after Vince screwed Austin out of his WWE championship by having The Undertaker and Kane both pin him for the title. Austin was, of course, pissed off, as usual, but seeing how Vince was surrounded by Kane, Undertaker, and a bunch of police officers, he wasn't going to come alone. Instead, he rode to the ring in a Zamboni, destroying everything in his path, and, after flipping the bird to everyone in the ring, gave a diving clothesline to Vince and beat him immensely, beat him to a pulp until officers arrested him. This was just a fun, chaotic segment that showed that Austin was indeed crazy enough to do anything. Unpredictable television. And who could forget that big blow up, uh, that blow up doll, that blow up floatation, whatever it was, of Stone Cold Steve Austin being thrown into the ring as this dramatic, chaotic segment of Austin clotheslining. McMahon. Uh, it what a moment. And JR called it perfectly. Will you, Austin, join
0: us as we present? the official WWF Championship belt to the new World Wrestling Federation
3: Champion. You think McMahon's got enough security around him? There's no
0: question, Undertaker, that both you and Kane deserve to be the WWF Champion. The two of you single-handedly Covered Stone Cold Steve Austin for the championship. The two of you who have had tremendous battles between the two of you. Wait a
2: It was October 5th, 1998, where we saw the birth or the debut of Mr. Sacco. This was a week after Vince got his ankle broken by Kane and the Undertaker. Mankind went to the hospital to try to cheer up Vince. Mankind brought chocolates, balloons, and of course, a clown, but he also brought along a new friend of his, Mr. Sacco. But when he went to introduce Vince to Mr. Sacco and try to kiss Vince's ankle better, Vince had a look of disgust that was priceless. And at first he asked nicely for Mick to leave until finally he said, Damn it, leave! Later on in the night, Stone Cold gave Vince a little visit, but this one ended with Vince getting smacked in the head with a bedpan and getting raped by a rectal thermometer. This was just a classic skit that gave birth to one of the biggest phenomenons in in the late 90s and helped turn Mankind into one of the biggest faces in WWE history. It gave Mankind longevity in his career by creating the Mr. Socko character, the Mr. Socko spot, a new finishing maneuver, you name it. But also, the bedpan smack heard round the world that have, I was rolling on the floor by hearing the thud of the bedpan on McMahon's head. I know... Maybe a little, uh, <laughs> uh... A little demonic, you could say, or a little uh, sick on my end, but who can deny the hilarity of this skit? What
0: the hell are you doing? Mr. Sacco!
6: Mr. Sacco was just a lame attempt to try to cheer up Mr. McMahon, who is being the world's crankiest patient. Hey, hey,
0: ah! No, Mick, please!
6: Please. When I unveiled one terrible gift after another, be it the box of chocolate that was half-eaten, the uh, clown who did uh, tricks with balloon animals...
0: Here's a rainbow for you, so that you know that there are brighter days...
6: It kind of wore away at Mr. McMahon until he finally kicked me out of the room and really made Mr. Sokka with two simple words. The camera went to Vince, and he just looked and went,
4: Mr.
2: Sokka. Two years after the first incident, A gun pulled out again. This time, Steve Austin pulls a gun out on Vince McMahon on October 19th, 1998, just two weeks after the debut of Mr. Sacco. This was a memorable Steve Austin moment that surprisingly didn't make WWE.com's top 10 memorable Raw moments, which I'm shocked. Steve Austin had recently been fired by Vince McMahon, and, well, he wasn't going quietly. Austin stalked McMahon throughout the evening. Austin finally called Vince ...in his office and told him that his time was up. Vince McMahon was in a wheelchair and was getting into his limo. Little did he know that the Texas Rattlesnake was waiting for him in the back of the car. McMahon tried to roll away in his wheelchair to no avail. Austin then took McMahon hostage. The night culminated with Austin wheeling McMahon to the center of the ring. Austin brought a hysterically crying Vince McMahon to his knees, stood behind him, and pulled out a gun... Camel fatigues and all, Austin was there ready. Austin put the gun to Vince's head, pulled the trigger, and a flag that read Bang 316 popped out. McMahon was further humiliated by peeing his pants as Austin pulled the trigger. Austin topped the night off with a stunner and a great deal of re- revenge had on his former boss, Vince McMahon. January 4th, 1999 We enter the last year of the 90s, and one of the most famous quotes not not on WWF, WWE television, took place that made such an impact on WWE programming. That'll put a lot of butts in the seats. So said one snarky WCW announcer regarding the outcome of a pre-taped Raw telecast in which Mankind won his first WWE championship from The Rock. While designed to prevent viewers from flipping the dial, WSW's miscue did exactly the opposite, prompting several hundred thousand viewers to switch from Nitro to Raw. Soon after, viewers who switched to Raw actually switched back to Nitro, suggesting that WSW's tactic was totally unnecessary. As for butts in the seats, WSW hasn't seen one since they went out of business in 2001. But this was another mark of the era that took place, the transition of Raw, the evolution of Monday Night Raw. It started out initially as a weekly live television program for the Manhattan Center, live! Then, of course, it was live every other week, where they taped the following week back-to-back shows. And they followed this pattern, even when they went to Raw is War, they would film, they would be live every other week, taping, typically the next night, meaning Tuesday, for the following week's Raw. Or occasionally filming back-to-back episodes in one night so typically Raw was live every other week as opposed to Nitro who featured live content every single week on TNT this was around the time when a transition was being made where the WWE was debating on going live every single week and this which eventually led to the formation of Smackdown being filmed on Tuesdays therefore Raw being live every single Monday night but this moment made such an impact because of what was done not on WWF television.
0: We understand that Mick Foley is going to win their world title. Oh, he's going to put some butts in the seat. No! No! No, no! Nick Foley, did it! Nick Foley did it.
6: If I had to pick the most memorable moment in my career on Raw, it would be uh, winning the WWE title for the, for the first time.
0: Mankind has achieved his dream, and the dream of everyone else who's been told, you can't
6: do it! It was something that was uh, I never thought I'd see.
0: He's come a long way since sleeping on the floors of Motel 6s! Go, in, go in.
6: was coming at a time in the middle of the Monday Night Wars, at a really pivotal time. It turned out to be not only a big victory for me in the ring, but a huge victory for WWE in the ratings.
2: Who could forget what took place on March 22nd of 1999, the Austin Beer Truck? WrestleMania fever was on. It was WrestleMania hype. WrestleMania season was at its peak. This is the definitive Raw moment. This was before WrestleMania 15, and it had Vince, Shane, and The Rock in the ring, gloating about how they were going to take out Austin at WrestleMania. After a couple minutes of kissing each other's behinds, Austin drove to the ring in a beer truck. The visual of seeing a beer truck driven into an arena full of people was awesome in its own right. But it didn't end there. Austin ran down all three men in the ring, and when The Rock tried to respond, Austin took out a hose, a huge hose, and sprayed everyone in the ring with beer. The image of Vince swimming in beer is absolutely priceless. An awesome segment that shows why Austin may be the most popular superstar in the history of Monday Night Raw.
4: I'm sure Shawn Michaels is having his little fun in San Antonio, Texas, the commissioner. That's alright. Rock, you won't mind one more time taking mankind apart will you
0: matter of fact the will lay the smackdown on his
4: candy ass yes much similar to the greenwich street fight that we're going to see in albany new york check it out Uh what
5: If you're ready for WrestleMania, give me a hell yeah. You damn right. Because Stone Cold Steve Austin has been jerked around long enough. And I will say this, with Paul White as a special referee or without him, it really don't make a damn because that belt is coming with me. And that's all I got to say about that. For the last few weeks, Shut your little lips. Before I come and punch your little glasses off right now. For the last few weeks, I come out here and I sit here and listen to you spend your little nursery rhymes about Jabroni Avenue or Know Your Road Boulevard. You better get your ass serious because Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to take his ass to Philadelphia, check right in to the SmackDown Hotel, roll right in to room 316, and burn that son of a bitch to the ground.
0: Oh, the stakes tonight. You look at me,
5: take your little glass off so I can see your eyeballs, son. Pull them off, because I want you to look right here. When that bell rings and the match is over, you are looking at the next WWE champion. And that's
0: the bottom line, stole Cole Sensor. As far as right now goes,
5: the big celebration afterwards Stone Cold's gonna drink a hell of a lot of beer. But I think we ought to share a little pre-match beer right now. Break. I'll tell you what, hey, Stone Cold Jabroni, you come out here and you make your idol threats like you're the great one, but obviously you're not. So The Rock says you take that truck and drive it
0: right back down. No your Boulevard. You drive it right back to Jabroni Drive and you check your camera.
2: August 9th, 1999 We saw the debut of Raw is Jericho The World Wrestling Federation had been running a countdown to the Millennium Clock For weeks, and nobody was really sure what it was about That question was answered on an episode of Monday Night Raw During a promo by The Rock In the middle of Rocky's promo, the countdown screen appeared counting down the remaining seconds to the supposed millennium never mind that it happened on august 9th once the clock expired the lights went out and a huge explosion followed until the words jericho appeared on the titantron the crowd response was absolutely insane the crowd went crazy for the debuting jericho Jericho then proceeded to give a great promo stating how he was there to save the WWE from mediocrity and finally give the fans something to cheer about. Go Jericho, go! Go Jericho, go! Of course, The Rock responded by tearing Jericho a new one. But that still couldn't take away the fact that this was the most entertaining, awesome debut ever. At least, in one fan's opinion.
0: Welcome to... for the World Wrestling Federation. Now, for those of you who don't know me, I am Chris Jericho, your your new hero, your party host, and most importantly, the most charismatic showman to ever enter your living rooms, via a television screen. Uh And for those of you who do know me, well, all hail the Ayatollah of Rock and Rolla! Got a nice haircut, I can say that! Now when you think of the new millennium, you think of an event so gigantic that it changes the course of history. You think of a dawning of a new era. Chris Jericho has come to save the World Wrestling Federation. Now let's go over the facts. Television ratings, downward spiral. Who's he came? Pay-per-view buy rates plummeting. Mainstream acceptance, non-existent and reactions of the live crowds, complete and utter silence. And I know why you're silent. You're silent because you're embarrassed to be here. And quite honestly, I'm embarrassed for you. And the reason why you're embarrassed is because of the steady stream of uninteresting, untalented, Mediocre sports entertainers Who you're forced to cheer for and care for No wonder you're not cheering You can care less about every single idiot in that dressing room And especially this idiot in the center of the ring
3: The rock is going to
0: explode, King, any minute You people have been led to believe that mediocrity is excellence Uh Uh-uh Jericho is excellence and now for the first time in history you have a man who can entertain you you have a man who is good enough for you you have a man who can make you jump up off your chairs raise your filthy fat little hands in the air and scream go jericho go go jericho go Go, Jericho, go! Thank you. The new millennium has arrived. And now that the Y2J problem is here, this company, from the front office idiots to all the amateurs in the dressing room, including this one, to everybody watching tonight, will never, eh, 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 ever be the same again. After three boring minutes, the rock says, know your role and shut your mouth! I second that.
5: How dare you, little jabroni, come on the rock show and not even have the class to introduce yourself? What is your name? I told you!
0: Who doesn't about your y2j plan well the rock has a little plan of his own and it's called the ky jelly plan oh no which <laughs> you know what that is jr yeah you do you don't clean it. you don't use it to clean pipes Jr.
5: Which means The Rock is
0: gonna lube his size 13 boot real good, turn that some sideways, and stick it straight up. You can get it! If you smell what The Rock is cooking.
2: September 27, 1999. Rock, this is your life. After attacking The Rock a night night earlier at Unforgiven, Mankind tried to apologize. Mankind tried to ask for forgiveness with a rockin' birthday party for the People's Champ. During one of the most entertaining segments and highest rated segments in WWE Raw history, Foley dropped balloons and confetti throughout the arena and invited The Great One's high school sweetheart, home ec teacher, and football coach to the show. By the end, The Demented One presented The Rock with a rock and Sock Connection jacket and his very own Mr. Rocco Sock and introduced Yurple the Clown to sing Happy Birthday. Unfortunately, The Rock would harshly remind mankind his birthday is in May, not September one of the highest-rated segments ever on Raw featured. This was a lengthy segment. Vince didn't think it was that great as well, but the fans ate it up.
6: It would be impossible for me to talk about my favorite moments uh, in Raw history without addressing the This Is Your Life birthday party that I drew for The Rock.
5: Do you remember your 6th grade home economics teacher, How you doing, Mrs. Griffith? Certainly,
6: I thought that a stroll down memory lane would bring out the best in The Rock.
5: The Rock says this, proceed to check directly into
0: the Smackdown Hotel.
5: Rock, say hello to coach, Everett Hart. The crowd was into
6: every single thing we said.
5: You made The Rock run sprints in front of all The Rock's fans. The Rock would like to take that whistle, turn that sum sideways, and stick it straight up your candy ass!
6: The WWE Universe decided en masse that this was a special moment.
3: Rock, this is your
5: life. The Rock just wants to know, what is your name? It doesn't matter what your name is!
2: The original Wedding Crasher took place on November 29th, 1999. We saw so many weddings in WWE history, dating back to the 70s and 80s, but this one was one of the most controversial. As the high-class wedding of Test and Stephanie McMahon was about to begin, Mr. McMahon, who had banned all DX members from attending, this is when DX turned heel at this point, asked the crowd if anyone wished to object all seemed well, because honestly, who would dare object to a McMahon wedding? Enter Triple H. The cerebral assassin appeared and unveiled a film that showed himself kidnapping Stephanie from her bachelorette party, drugging the chairman's daughter, and marrying her while she was unconscious. The shocking abduction proved to be a ruse, and the McMahon Helmsley era began, kicking off a role that has yet to slow down for new newly Turned COO, Triple H. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Wrestling fans, it's time to thank our sponsors of the Beyond the Bell podcast. The SNS Radio Network provides daily audio programming that covers professional wrestling and sports entertainment. If you're not listening, you're not trying. Squared Circle Media is proud to make episodes of Beyond the Bell and other pro wrestling audio content available to wrestling fans around the world. You can find all content from Squared Circle Media at www.squaredcirclemedia.net RingAnnouncing.com is the official website of ring announcer Sean Beckerman. This is where you will find video, audio, and the latest schedule for the future of ring announcing. All videos are streamed at the YouTube channel, also labeled Ring Announcing. Stitcher works to provide an innovative platform for listening to audio content on the go. You can download the Stitcher app on all smartphones via the Android Market and the iTunes App Store. Stitcher, now streaming innovative audio. If you are interested in advertising on Beyond the Bell, email us at btvwrestling at gmail.com and in the title type, Advertising. Join the Beyond the Bell revolution. It's go time! Old school wrestling fans, that will wrap up part one of the greatest moments in Raw history. We look back at 93 to 99 and the impact those years made on professional wrestling. And how Monday Night Raw evolved from a basic one hour program to a two hour extravaganza known as Raw is War. Part 2 will look back at the year 2000 to the present day Monday Night Raw and the changes that were made as WCW was about to go down and be purchased by the World Wrestling Federation. Also we'll discuss the transition of the WWF to the WWE and the impact that made on Monday Night Raw. We'll also look back at the multiple write-offs of the Mr. McMahon character on Raw, not to mention the most emotional moments we saw and that took place. Also, we'll look back at the most emotional moments that took place in Monday Night Raw history. So stay tuned for part two coming up in the next couple days here at Beyond the Bell. You can connect socially to Beyond the Bell on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. Follow me at Sean Beckerman on Twitter, not to mention Stitcher Radio, where you can listen to all archive shows at Beyond the Bell on your smartphone. Also, download all archive shows on iTunes, as well as www.ringannouncing.com, as well as archive at snsradionetwork.com. But we'll end this week's show with Thorn in Your Eye, which was used in the late 90s during the Raw is War attitude era of Monday Night Raw. And of course, it was one of the more popular themes because of the era that it took place in, the most popular era in the past two, three decades for wrestling, the Attitude Era. So stay tuned for our old school theme of the week. Enjoy that one. And we'll see you in the next couple days as we'll look at part two of the greatest moments in Raw history. Wrestling fans, I'll see you at the matches.